back to continue our coverage of the movie because <sighs> there is just so much to talk about. I'm Vero. I'm Lena. Enjoy! We go back to Hunting the Star for a moment and the only thing I have to say about this scene, which is Lamia with Freddy, is thank you Lamia for doing a public service and shutting up Freddy forever. Thank you very much. Well, not forever. He still makes sounds. Septimus will finish the job. Yeah, but yeah. he can't talk and so that is good enough to me. <laughs> and again, we are coming across a moment where Lamia hurts herself yes. by acting quite hastily and using magic. She is becoming a bit unraveled, I feel. At this point, She's for losing, sure. She is losing patience. She's getting angsty. She's getting hectic. She and broke she's the night, so yeah. it becomes more urgent, the entire situation. And by losing her looks as well, it makes it more difficult for her to walk about more subtly. And also, I would assume that it's not just her outward looks that age rapidly, but also like her mobility and everything, mm. because she is literally losing her youth. I didn't think of that. Oh, no, poor Lamia. Now I feel bad for Lamia. <laughs> like... She must have like all your arthritis and aching body and pains and bad digestion and everything. Like being old is no joke. No, no, it's not. Apparently. Especially a few hundred years, probably. A few thousand, maybe even. Well, I don't know how rapidly she's aging, you know, so True. how fast it's catching up. We go back to the pirates because there's no way we're leaving the pirates any longer than we have to. Exactly. Also, the transitions to this scene into the office and from the office are mm -hmm. absolutely incredible. <laughs> I don't remember what they are, but, oh, me neither, I, but yes. I remember I appreciated them. <laughs> Yeah, because for some reason there might have been a longer pause in between parts of recording this. And so what? maybe now there's a few more days between actually no. having watched this movie and talking about it. This is why I have such extensive notes. so I don't forget as much, you know. But we go back to the ship and we go to one of the most hilarious moments in the entire movie. And that is, Captain of course, Captain Shakespeare driving. And the entire crew is so incredibly terrified. I love it. But they have to let her do it. Tristan and Yvain are at the front of it. And I don't know. IMDb claims that it's a Titanic reference. Uh, the King of the World moment. I'm like, uh, with a uh, lot of interpretation, maybe. The front of the ship is, in my opinion, the most hilarious part to be. Especially when you have, like, um, high waves and shit. Because yeah. it is the part that goes up and down and up and down and up and down. I love it. Like other people get seasick. I absolutely enjoy the fuck out of that because it's like a cheap roller coaster ride. So <laughs> I love that they're. To be fair, at that you moment. consider plane flights a cheap roller coaster ride. So yeah, I consider everything that goes bump in the roads, whatever the road might be, a cheap roller coaster ride. Be it air, water, or roads. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> The helmsman, the actual helmsman, is so rave. Like, he literally hugs the wheel when... He, yeah. He's like, oh my god, fuck yeah. My baby's back. It's still back. in one piece. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry. I hope and the man didn't hurt you. <laughs> this is also the moment where we see the name of the ship, Casper uh, Tang. Yeah, I think we don't say it before. Good, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yep. And my note was literally, I wonder if that means anything. Yeah. Remember, it's named after the two names of yep. the two kids of Michael Mon who wrote I... and directed the movie. And I'm not reminding you, I'm reminding our listeners because this might very well be the second or third part of this entire recording. <laughs> so it's been a while. Oh, uh, yeah, fair enough. We have, of course, the goodbye saying moment with the, oh, how will I ever repay you? Don't mention it. <laughs> no, 
Seriously, don't, don't mention, mention it. it. Reputation, lifetime to build, seconds to destroy. Yep. I didn't even write that down. It's just so embedded in my in It's my in brain. my fucking brain. Forever. And of course, we have the whisper in your ear and we will only later learn what was actually being said. That is a trope. It is a trope that sometimes works really well for me, sometimes doesn't work at all. Guess what? Here it works perfectly. It's so cute. Yeah. <sighs> And we have two days to the deadline. And of course, like when they leave, we see once again our favorite first mate. And he's so fed up with everything because like, oh my God, everything's so obvious. But <laughs> he loves his captain. Yeah, they all love this captain. He's so supportive. Best boy. We have very short Septimus and very short Lamia moment. So okay. Septimus is being frustrated that it's not working out basically as he wants it to be. Remember, I very much enjoyed his sadism when we were killing the priest and everything. I also very much enjoy Septimus being frustrated. And I watched Kickass on the weekend <laughs> and Mark Strong is in that one. And guess what? He has sadism in there and he has frustration in there and enjoyed both of them very much. <laughs> He's great. I fucking love him. He is perfect. And Lamia has a very short interaction with her sisters who tell her the star is back on ground. Hurry. Yaddy yaddy. So I love how competent Lamia's sisters also are because while they are background evil witches, they do have like the relevance because they keep interacting with her. They motivate her. And they are supplying her with the relevant information and support. So without them, Lamia could not manage all of this. While killing innocent babies. It is nice to see competent evil people is what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally this explains my random note that just says beauty routine. Basically, because it's the where she tries to pretty herself up and then her sisters are like, ah, what are you doing? And making fun of her. It's very, You're very You're wasting adorable. your magic on frivolous things, Lamia. Exactly. Yeah. And now is we're walking again. For some reason. Because they didn't have horses on the airship, Vero. That is why we're walking. Well, yes. But if you do remember from the beginning, where Evain fell, it was 200 miles from Wall, right? Was it? I think so. Or was it 200 miles from the witches? I think it was 200 miles from the witches, yeah. But I also feel like the witches and Wall are not that far apart because at the end, it takes like five minute ride on a horse to get there. So Yeah, because of the cutting, but... Mm -mm -mm. Five minutes of mm -mm -mm. epic writing will get you anywhere in this kingdom. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not see the implications of that sentence. Never mind. <laughs> this is actually the moment where I realized that it was Tristan who hurt her leg in the beginning of the movie because I didn't catch it in the beginning of the movie. Oh. But here she says, are you trying to break my leg again when he pushes her to the side? And it's like, again? Huh? <laughs> oh. So, yeah, that is the moment Lena realized it was Tristan all along. It was Tristan all along, not Agatha. Yes. He hurdles her into the bush eye. Yes, it's, it's, it's a bit hot, I have to say. It's a, it's a bit hot. It's, it's steamy. They're both pretty and they're into each other, even though Tristan still is not actively aware of that. I think that he might be because I rewatched that scene with the knowledge that he knows that she's into him. But and he I doesn't. feel well, this is before the hamster scene. Okay, so I rewatched the scene with the knowledge that Shakespeare basically told him that he's in love with her. That it's not Victoria, it's Yvain. Yes. Yes. And I think that this is where he's testing it. This feels like he's flirting. He's really bad at flirting. He gets better. Yeah, but here he's really bad. Well, this is the first time he tries. 
And she responds to it. And he's like, oh, maybe it works. And then after we go back to Pirates and go back to the road, he flirts again. And it is a little bit more playful and a little bit works better. So, you know, it feels like this is where their relationship is starts budding. You might have a point. I did not pay attention to it on that level. But yeah, I'm going to yeah. have to watch this movie again. Oh, no. And see if you are actually right. But I think mm. you might be right. Mm. No Very surprise cute. there. It's very cute. We obviously have to check up on our Hunting the Star people because they are now conglomerating on the same location as our pirate crew, which I worried and I hummed and hawed and I was like, oh, how is this going to go? And there's so much tension in this scene, but there's also so much joy because Septimus is only aware of the reputation. Indeed. So he refers to Captain Shakespeare having a fearsome reputation and like warning his henchmen about this. And then I love how the bad guys basically, they come on board and the henchmen face off with the crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even like bowing and everything. It is so beautiful. But Septimus doesn't stick around. He just walks on. But this is the thing. The beauty of, oh, we are henchmen. We are honorable. The crew bows to them and they're like, okay, we're gonna bow and as they bow the crew just starts whacking them yeah so they use the advantage of oh these are like a proper proper fighting possible knights version of a knight or something like that well and they are the henchmen of a fucking prince so yes. I'm pretty sure they're full of themselves yeah absolutely and they use it against them and it's beautiful and Septimus of course moves along and we have the music that is playing which we're going to talk about in a moment but while Septimus is going there we cut back and forth between the fighting Septimus and of course Captain Shakespeare in his pretty clothing at least partially and painting on the heart mm-hmm. on his face because like he has the, the, the beauty mark beauty on his mark. face that he covers with a heart Shakespeare is so happy in this moment like he's just playing and everything and I love this scene but it also hurts me I feel like this scene has so much joy in it so much joy and because it doesn't end in a tragedy it keeps that joy for me but it's it's your pain yes but we all know that Septimus is basically an asshole so yeah but this is basically a forced coming out it is it is. And that always makes me sad. Yeah, that's like, fair enough. Nobody should be pushed out of the closet if they don't want to come out and don't feel safe to do it. That is absolutely true. But, and I'm fully with you because in the end, everything is going to be fine. But still, it's like... No, you're absolutely heart. right. You're absolutely correct. The thing about this is, though, that to me, it doesn't have the negative connotation because it doesn't end badly. Yes, it's not good to be forced to come out. Yes, it's not good how Septimus approaches this. But because we have the end of the scene where not a single person of the crew gives a slightest fuck about how the captain is dressed or who he is because they care about who he actually is. They don't mind. They like him as he is, not despite of who he is. Yeah, this is the thing, right? This is what we all should learn from this beautiful scene. As long as we love each other for who we truly are, everything is going to be fine. The problem becomes when you start 
hating just because you are taught to hate specific thing. Because these things are taught. You see hate around you, you will accept it as a as a way to live. And to unlearn that and for this crew to not do that to him is one of my favorite thing in this movie. I mean, it's also like they are coming to his rescue, which is nice to see because even before we have like because that's the one scene later, even before we have that conversation, they are there. They are supportive of him and everything. The one short, funny breakup moment in this for me is when Septimus calls Shakespeare Twinkle Toes, simply because this is such an Avatar reference to me, which obviously, of course, it isn't. But Toph keeps calling Ang Twinkle Toes. Yeah, see, I know that. And so it's just like when I hear Twinkle Toes, I instantly have to think of Toph, best Earthbender ever. She fucking rules best, best character. It's <laughs> yeah, like I can see why you choose Toph. <laughs> I mean, come on. We very, very quickly cut back to Onto the Road with Yvain and Tristan. Yes. And the flirting begins. I mean, it already began. Or continues, in your opinion. The flirting flourishes. What I noted in the scene is that Yvain actually is keeping better track of Victoria's birthday than Tristan is. Yes. Why, you And that was very telling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, Tristan with the flirting. He, at this point, I think, he doesn't really have the need to come back. He's just kind of following the, the original plan. I feel he has to go back because it is his nature to be like, thank you, Victoria, but no. The thing is, I agree with you that's going to happen later. I think that he is going to make this specific decision after they actually get together in the inn for sure. I think he always had the need to, like he always needs to finish something. Yeah, he would have done it. But I don't think that that is a thought that is fully formed yet. I think at this point he much more focuses on, is this even possible? This thing with Yvain. Is it just me or does she feel the same? He is trying to test the waters and therefore he is just kind of following his own uh, footsteps. His priority is the interaction with Yvain, yes, and his priority is not to get back to Victoria before the birthday anymore, but still getting back there at some point is very obvious to me. So It will absolutely become a full-fetched thing once he is sure that this thing with Yvain is actually real. I think even if Yvain and him didn't get together, he would still go back and be like, thank you, no, Victoria. He, yeah, I believe that. But it's, it's what polite. I'm trying to say, it's currently not full form thought for him. He does not, I'm not care. I'm not disagreeing with that. Oh, yeah, I'm I just know. saying it's part of his character yeah, that he yeah, would have yeah, to yeah. wrap it up. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. No, okay. And why are we arguing about this? <laughs> because we're us. Yes. We go back to the pirates for another very short scene. And this is sadly the last proper scene with the pirates that we have. And so here we get the whoopsie. Captain Shakespeare being called a whoopsie, which is a not very nice word for a gay man, an effeminate man. I was not aware of this. So when I... for the first time, like really heard this and realized because when I watched this the first few times, I didn't realize it was an actual word. Oh, as in like it's just not just an exclamation. I thought like whoopsie for me, like whoops, like oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought as well. No, a whoopsie is a slur for a gay man. That is terrible. Like I and because I I looked this up when we did the life watch. Yeah. Yep. Um, a homosexual man, especially one with camp mannerism, Aww. it's British slang. Oh great, the Brits are at it again. I mean, this is basically set in Britain so yeah well it is yeah no so that is what it is yeah Yeah. no but like seriously I didn't know that it was like an actual slur Mm. so 
to me, it was always hilarity that was caused when the one dude in the crew goes like, well, you was a whoopsie. And then everyone pushing him away because like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. And then everyone being like, no, we're like supportive and everything. So yeah, now you know. Now I know. Yes, the more <sighs> we know. But they always knew and they never cared. So we tie a heart-shaped bow around that because we end this moment with Shakespeare going, Arr, and the crew Arr. going, Arr, and that is just... And then he just go like, yeah, 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 whatever, go away. The go happiest Arr ever. <gasps> oh, so that made me just... very, very happy. And of course, we have another tie, we have another loose end to tie up, and that is, of course, Bernard. Because oh, that happens now. That is that moment. And I only wrote down poor Bernard, so I don't actually remember what happened. Purple Nard? Poor Bernard. Poor Bernard, yeah. Proper because Nard. Ber- Bernard isn't actually in the fight. He stayed with the horses. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. And Septimus is like Septimus. coming out of the water and Bernard and goes, all your men are dead. Like, ah, yes, 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 yes. 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 And then... Septimus throws him off the horse and runs off to do some more epic riding. But actually, happy Bernard because Septimus didn't stab him. So lucky Bernard. Good good Bernard. Bernard survived. So you think Bernard maybe joined the pirates? Oh, I would love that for him. Okay, so now it is so. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We pop back onto the road. Mm, Yes. And here, of course, is the scene that we alluded to quite a few times. Uh Because this is where they run into Ditchwater Cell. And Yvain saw her before. So she is like, oh no, she's a friend of the captain. And Cell is unable to see Yvain. And so this whole scene uh, happens. This is a moment where the language of English actually allows us for... uh, Tristan to stay quite unaware of the situation. Oblivious. Oblivious to the situation. Because it is quite normal to say, oh, you give us a ride when you're talking about just yourself. So Sal has no reason to be... Yeah, yeah. Just... You know, give us a shout when you want to, you know, let me know. Give us a shout. Hmm. I don't know how much of that is Irish and how much of that would be actually in English. You're right that this is being said, but I never paid attention to it. Like, why would you use the plural? But yeah, I think it's actually the same. I think it's actually the same in German or Robin Bavarian. So I feel like because of the language, kind of a playfulness, we are able to have a conversation that means two different things. Even the fact that you means in English, you can refer to one person or multiple people so Tristan doesn't pick up the fact that she is talking just to him until basically Yvonne realizes that she can't reach Sal so uh, this is a very nice thing very nice tidbit that is language based that I really really enjoyed I'm still hung up on the fact that yeah (laughs) it's plural and I never really paid attention to it and I'm gonna hyper focus onto this every time (laughs) someone uses singular when they shouldn't or plural when they shouldn't and so yay it is very common here in Ireland. I can tell you that. No, no, you're absolutely right because now my brain is going like, yeah, and this and this and this. And <laughs> so to not be stuck on this for too long, the phrasing of everything here, of course, is also very deliberate with the safe passage. You will get there as you are now. Everything is said in a very double meaning way. Mm-hmm. And obviously he makes the big, big, big mistake giving her the flower. Yeah. 
And remember when we talked about the previously on Stardust scene, mm -hmm. me going that I don't really understand how the arrangement works because Una can do things that are against Cell's interest. Yeah. And Cell says that she has been looking for this for 18 years. Indeed. So she obviously wasn't happy that Una sold this. Mm -hmm. So or my point... My point stands that Una is able to act against Cell's best interests. Yeah. She just has to do it. Because we had this whole discussion yeah, about yeah, the metaphysics and compulsion and yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, this is the proof that <laughs> there is no metaphysical compulsion. She's literally just tied to Cell by an unbreakable chain. And if she doesn't behave, she gets punished or turned into a bird or both. So. Anything is possible. Um, I feel validated. <laughs> that is your right. Mm. Now, Tristan gets obviously turned into a mouse. And Yvane realizes that Sal cannot hear her nor see her. And just in case the viewers <laughs> are unsure about what's happening, we get the voiceover of the curse when uh, Yvane is trying to reach Sal. You shall not hear the star nor touch the star even if it's right in front of you or something like that. And that really drives it home that yes, this is the curse and yes, Lamia did that. It's one of the few American moments in the movie to like yeah. be really obvious and in your face and if yeah. you forgot what happened a fucking hour ago. Because like the movie is not us. The movie doesn't go on and on and on and on for five plus uh -huh. hours. Now, the question is, for me, I was wondering why Sal turned him into mouse in the first place. I think to her it's mostly funny. Eh, I suppose. I don't know. I just didn't really love it because I would assume that she would turn him into a mouse and then keep him. But that also doesn't make sense because then she promised him that he would arrive to Wall. I think she's just a sadist. Yeah, yeah. Probably. She just thinks it's funny. <laughs> I mean, it is funny, but... <laughs> and also, what it does is that it gives Yvain the opportunity to talk to Tristan without actually knowing that he is aware of what she's saying, which is very, very beautiful monologue that we get to watch slash listen to when they are inside the wagon. And because I remember that I did not include something from IMDb about the mouse, I now looked it up because the creature he's turned into is not just a mouse, it's a dormouse. Oh it's adorable. God. Like, yeah. Oh, that when is you adorable. Up, yes, when you look up dormice, they are so cute. They are nocturnal animals found in Africa, Asia and Europe. The more you learn. Mm. I'll have to look up the German name for it because I don't know. There is also another couple of different things that I realized during this scene. First I've of never all... Heard, I've never heard that German name. Sorry, I'm... I have focus. It's like, literally the German translation of one of the names is Sleeping Mouse. <laughs> It is extremely cute. Mm. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, Dormamouse. So it's dormitory. Oh, okay. What is that in English? The European edible Dormouse in German is named the Seven Sleeper. Aww. Yay. Oh, okay. I just looked it up in Czech and no. And the Seven Sleeper is called Seven Sleeper in German because oh. he sleeps for seven months in winter. Uh, this is actually the scene where I realized a couple of different things. Okay. So, first of all, Yvain's like thousands years old. Yes. And Tristan is 18. Yes. If the genders were flipped. Yes. You know where I'm going with this. It would be a, a, a huge thing. But, but she is four days 
in human age. Alas, she has watched humanity for centuries. Yeah, but in the beginning, she is missing a lot of the human context. So Yes, but you could also say that about a lot of other relationships that people would be shitting on because of the age difference. You know, it's something that I didn't realize until this point. So I just wanted to put it out there. I'm no judging. I love this pairing and I think it works very well for them. But I know that this is something that a lot of people are very conscious of. I mean, when you look at Arwen and Aragorn, she's also like several hundred years older than him. That is also true. Yeah. However, they don't really get together until Aragorn is like 150. So Yeah, and she's still like much, 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 much older. Yes, it's like when you're 12 and the other person's 20. The age difference is slightly different than when you're 42 and the other person is 52, you know? Yeah, but when you're 12 and the other person is 22, or when you're 22 and the other person is 82, you know, like. (laughs) One is illegal and one is just icky. (laughs) Yes, but that's what I'm saying. Like, Aragorn and Arwen do have a bit of a fling when they're young, when Aragorn is young, but he's also in his 40s already. So he's like a grown human at that point. And then they don't, they are forbidden from seeing each other for very many, many, many years. And then they only get together. So I don't know if you would, like, if you know that your life expectancy is that long, if then like our normal age brackets apply. Anyway, that's, that, that, that is just something that I, that I wanted to point out. I feel you're hurting from other fandoms where some ships are being shit on. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just saying that if the genders were flipped, people would be looking at this very differently. That is all I wanted to say. Nowadays, maybe. Well, nowadays, obviously. Now, the second thing that I realized, from what Yvain is saying, her heart already belongs to Tristan. So, would it really do anything if they actually did cut out her heart and try to eat it? Yes. Okay. Do you think so physical heart being eaten beats the fact that she has given it to somebody metaphysically? No, the difference is if you eat the heart, it only sustains you for a certain amount of period. If the star is giving you their heart, then you are truly immortal. And there is no end to it because the star doesn't die and so the effect doesn't end. Okay, that actually helps me with this. So thank you. I appreciate that. Because this is why they run out of the other heart. Yeah, Because they have to keep consuming it. And Tristan goes up into the sky with Yvain forever because her heart belongs to him and thus he is truly immortal. Yes, but what I was trying to say, I understand this concept, but if her heart already belongs to Tristan at this point, if somebody else takes it and uses it... Basically, How pictures like work? this. The the, the the witches cut out the heart from a star and someone steals the heart from them. He can still consume it and it still works. Yes, but that you are talking about consuming the heart in the same way or like having owning the heart in the same physical concept. What I'm trying to say is if you on the spiritual level, if it works for you to give your heart to somebody and make them immortal that way, doesn't it cancel out the physical no. thing? No, like you've already explained it to me like, well enough for me to accept it but you know to me it just feels like two different separate ways of giving heart and therefore how can it actually be sustained I don't think that any of the stars before would go through the whole I actually fell, managed to no fell in love before no one was in love before yeah, yeah. So we don't really know for sure at this point. Probably it would still work. Because it is two different levels. Because one is the metaphysic level and one is the physical level. Mm-hmm. Like The one only works with love and the other 
works with pain and torture and punishment, basically. Like, it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And yeah. I would even argue that if you cut out a heart that has already been given away, it's more powerful because it's a happier heart. Yes, but also... <laughs> Mel, do you want me to put this on the list? I would like to know how this works, yes. Because we never get to find out. I will put this on the list. This is what the list is for. So, yes, this is me with my random realizations and uh, philosophical debates on this scene. So we can move on to the Slaughtered Prince. I love that both of us have seen this movie so, so many times. And still, this run through, we both have realized things we didn't before. We are focusing on different things. Like It was a great idea to do this movie for the podcast. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Aww. We have a very, very quick cut over to Septimus because he now is passing the same marker that the wagon just passed so we know he is right behind them so everyone is closing in on each other the tension is rising the stakes are high and then actually we go back into the wagon with the cheese and the love and everything but at the end of this scene is also when they get out of the wagon and sell true to her word, transforms him back into a human and he straight up falls over, which is hilarious to me. And of course, here we have the hilarious callback when he, instead of calling her mother, he calls Yvain Victoria. I wonder how much of that is actually intentional just to torture her a little bit. I don't think it is. No, he is not in control right now. His brain is completely scrambled. But it still makes me wonder why? Where is the name of Victoria coming from? It makes no sense to me that he would be thinking of her. Listen, we have already established that Tristan has only ever met blonde, beautiful women. And Victoria has been living is in his head for a little bit longer. So I feel like it makes sense for him that this is the first thing that he thinks of. It, or he not thinks of, but the first name that comes to mind when he sees a gorgeous blonde woman kneeling about him. the short-time memory of Dormice is like really, really bad. And this is why he forgot everything about the last few days. Because his brain is still in a half-mouse state. Yeah, but then wouldn't he forget what she told him when he was a mice? No, no, just for this moment while he's still like under the right after effects that he can't proper walk mm. and mm. then when he is fully back to being himself everything comes back so maybe he has mouse brain My and that's why he mouse brain and that's why he says the name of the other woman and yeah I feel with Yvain and I yeah. agree with her I think I might have preferred mother yeah so what would you prefer the ex or mother in this specific situation mother no in no, like in a in make bed? it a bit worse in bed. Yes. X, please. God. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't I wouldn't want my sexual partner to say mother to me unless it's a very specific scenario. Would you prefer mommy or the ex? And there we are at that very specific <laughs> scenario. <laughs> I'm not going to okay. lie. I am uh, this is not my jam, so no, I no, would no, probably no, still gonna... go with the ex. <laughs> And now we go to the Slaughtered Prince, which, of course, is the pub where everything started. So we have literally gone full circle. And so now we are in the inn and I have one question. Yes. How did Yvain get a room and pay for it? I would assume that Shakespeare gave them some sort of currency. And she understands 
money and exchange and everything? Listen, it was a very educational three days or four, three and a half days. Okay, so I say yes. Okay, so basically Shakespeare gave her all the street knowledge that she needs. Basically, yes, because while Tristan was learning to fence, she was learning economics. Good point. Good point. I can live with that. And before we go into the inside of the house, IMDb points out, in the mural painted on the outside wall of the slaughtered prince pub, the victorious prince standing over the prince that he has slaughtered has Peter O'Toole's face, the king. The pub name, the slaughtered prince, is a sly reference to the pub, the slaughtered lamb in an American werewolf in London from 1981. Is it? Is it really? So take of this what you want. I prefer to focus on the first half because nice. Yes, nice. I don't have anything else for the inn. Oh, I do have one thing for the inn. And that is that Tristan is a very much less awkward kisser than his father. I did not pay attention to the difference of their competency when it comes to kissing. I will believe you that you paid more attention to Ben Barnes kissing. So, (laughs) yeah, I believe that. We hop back to Hunting the Star for a short moment Mm -hmm. because we need to go to Lamia and the sisters. Everyone's heading to the same direction. Whee! Remember how you pointed out when we went to the halfway section of the movie that we were done with exposition? No, we weren't. Because this is the moment where we get some really important information dump. Because the sisters, Mormor and Ampusa, forget that Yvaine cannot cross the wall. And Did Lamia has to, has, has to remind them. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And this is how we as a viewer learn that Yvain may never cross the wall because she will die if she does. Because apparently neither Tristan nor Yvain do realize that at this point because it literally never has come up. Yeah, they don't know. Why would they know? That's the thing. Tristan didn't know about the Heart of the Star because he is not from Stromhorn. Stromhold. 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 However, but since apparently... Just take one of them. They only met all the nice people and not the evil people. And so the evil people know that the star can't cross, but the nice people like Shakespeare don't know. Even though they know what a star is, but they don't know everything. So what parts do you learn in the school of good and what parts do you learn in the school of evil? Questions, questions, questions. But this short cutover scene is only there to give us this relevant information. Mm -hmm. And now we go into one of the longer scenes that I called splitting up. It's happening. Yeah, Tristan leaves when Yvain is still sleeping. And when I was like coming up to this moment, I was like, I still don't understand why he never left her like written notes. Why didn't he fucking wake her? Because he didn't want to wake her. I hate it. No, like this is one of the tropes that really doesn't work for me ever. Have you never? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to put it into context for you. Has it ever happened to you that you wake up first and you don't want to wake the second person up and you feel like, yes, but I kind of need to go. But they're sleeping so pretty and this is the first time they've been sleeping and sleeping so well in a very long time so I'm gonna let them sleep I'm just gonna write them a note hasn't anything like that ever happened to you if I'm leaving and I didn't tell them that the day before that I'm leaving I would tell them that I'm leaving because they would wake up in my place and be like where is she what happened well and then there's the note I'll be right back I don't even have paper well he doesn't either so, but that's no, the no, thing this, this has never worked for me like I, I don't understand it like you can wake people up and they can go back to sleep like it's yes, a thing yes but <laughs> to me this makes 
sense because he knows that she hasn't slept in days. And probably not in the night because they probably had sex. Well, but literally first thing she says when she wakes up is like, this is the first time I have slept through a night. She's not meant to sleep in the night. She's a fucking star. We don't have to agree on this. This is fine that we are disagreeing. IMDb <laughs> has a very, very curious fact for this. Oh, and God, I have no. not found a way to confirm or non-confirm this. Not and when again. I I actually went back and I, I rewatched it and I couldn't make it out. Mm. After confessing their love for each other, Evane and Tristan proceed to sleep in the same bed. Tristan was originally bare-chested in that scene, but it was considered to be too suggestive. So a shirt was digitally imposed over Charlie Cox's chest area. What? So if I ever meet Charlie Cox for a Q&A, because so far I've only ever met him for a photo and he was absolutely lovely, I want to ask this if this is true. What do you mean suggestive? They literally have sex. No, they slept and cuddled the entire night. It was very lovely and very pigeon. Yeah, that explains why he is such in such a good mood the next day. Mm-hmm. And why yep. she's, what, naked? Is she naked? You can cuddle while naked. He was wearing a shirt. <laughs> As long as he was wearing a shirt and has his top covered. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's how cuddling um, so works. I, I found it extremely hilarious. And so yeah. if I ever meet Charlie Cox and I get to ask him a question, this is what I would like to know. <laughs> Do you remember if you wore a shirt? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. This is a fun moment and what I realized. So Tristan is leaving, right? And I did wonder at the beginning, why doesn't he leave her note? Why does he have to talk to the innkeeper? It is explained because the innkeeper is like, ah, fuck you, I don't have a pen and paper. He probably does, but he just doesn't want it because he's It's hungover. fucking early. Exactly. Like, did you see the innkeeper's reaction when, when Tristan w- woke him up? Why would he want to do that, impose that on his the love of his life? You know, you would wake anyway. her with morning sex. They didn't sleep together. They only cuddled. Morning cuddle, you know. Morning cuddle. <laughs> anyway, he relays the message and we don't hear actually Tristan say the message. So then when Yvain uh, actually wakes up and she encounters the innkeeper, he relays the message, but he probably repeated the words right. But this, children, is why punctuation is important. Yeah, because like everything he says is correct. Exactly. He does not lie. Nope. He relays the message word by word but, but he has a very weird emphasis and pausing and everything yeah. so yeah nice, 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 nice. Yeah. punctuation can save lives <sighs> mm-hmm. So, Yvain has just finished talking to the innkeeper. She is devastated because she thinks Tristan has forsaken her and she is in a stupor walking somewhere. So, some might even say she's heartbroken. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course, you are absolutely correct. And while she is walking through that, Una sees her and can't reach her. And I have to say... All props to Una, of course, because obviously she has realized what is happening. She couldn't interfere as a bird, but now she is in human form. And so now she is literally risking everything for her son or rather for her son's love. Exactly. Because she obviously knows who Tristan is because of the flower. And also she's a bird that was in the cart. And so she listened to everything, right? She must have heard everything. No, she was in the front. She was chained. It's a, to the... But it's a thin wooden wall. I mean, come on. Are you saying that if Sal would have been able to hear Yvain, she would have heard the entire conversation? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sure. Yvain was only talking this freely because she realized that Sal had no way of hearing her. Anyway, this brings me to one of my favorite notes that I made. And that is just go Una, go Una. Go Una, because she locks up the wagon from the behind while Sal is sleeping inside and literally abducts her to catch Yvain. And you know what? 
I fucking love that for her. Yeah. Now, like, I'm also completely rooting for Una here. We cut over to Tristan walking up to Victoria's door and we have that whole interaction. I don't know if it was deliberate, but Victoria going, it's awfully small and Tristan's sword being bigger than Humphrey's sword. Oh, okay. I did not catch that at all. I don't think that is deliberate at all. <laughs> but uh, kudos to your dirty mind. Um, I okay. love in this moment... So just me then. <laughs> just you. I love in this moment that Tristan picks up a rock. It's a fucking massive rock. But regardless, he picks up a rock to approach Victoria the way he's always approach her and that is trying to get her attention and yeah. essentially being the lesser in this she's upstairs he is downstairs her, him looking up to her this is how it was yes yeah and then realizing that this is not what he wants to do because he's not there to court her anymore exactly he's not there for this kind of relationship so he knocks on the door and said which shows to me an incredible growth within a week even the way he carries himself and the way he speaks the way he looks obviously is very different but every single detail about how charlie cox portrays tristan now compared to how he portrays him at the very beginning of the movie is so vastly different and i love that it's funny in a certain way because if you just take this first scene when he is like you said, courting Victoria, and you take this scene and you put them next to each other, it looks like two different characters. Yeah. But because we were there for the journey, we were with him every step of the way and it made sense. And this like really speaks for his ability to give us these two sides of the extreme mm. and give us the journey from A to B. So yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. And I also love that after he drops her and Humphrey shows up, Humphrey has this need to fight for Victoria's honor. But the second Tristan takes out the sword and just does this whole like, okay, let's do this. He sees that he is no way up for that challenge, Humphrey, and concedes immediately. He did not read Humphrey as wanting to fight for Victoria's honor, but rather the, oh, well, here we go again. This is the usual. Well, he's stressed up a bit, but I'm going to whoop his ass again. Yeah, I'm going to whoop his ass again because he just dropped the person that I am here to ask to marry on the ground. I don't see Humphrey caring that much about Victoria, to be honest. It's more like he's so used to fucking Tristan up that he just like, well, I whooped your ass 500 times before. I'm going to whip it another time. Oh, wait, now you're going to whoop my ass. Never mind then. Like, I don't think Victoria is relevant enough. I see where you're coming from, but I don't think that Humphrey is that cold or careless or whatever. I think that he, it's not emotional with him but it's like oh she is basically my property I don't see where and you dropped her on Victoria the ground Victoria belongs to Humphrey comes from or anything so it like he literally is just coming back and he hasn't even proposed yet because he's still no, he's about the gift. to though yeah but he hasn't proposed yet so she's not his fiance yet so like I don't yes. know how Humphrey is like Victoria is my property I know you don't like Henry Cavill but separate no. your hatred for Henry Cavill with your this hatred of Humphrey this has nothing to do with Cavill Jesus like, Humphrey and Tristan have history yes. they went to school together He's yes. Tristan's bully. Fuck Victoria. This is about the person that is being bullied okay. standing up to their bully. I agree with you, but I don't think that's the only thing that's happening there. I don't think that he would like... Why do you think he's there? Do you think he's there just because he knows Tristan's gonna be there? No, he's there to propose to Victoria. Because she's the and, prettiest and, in the town and he yes. wants the prettiest girl. Not because exactly. Victoria is Victoria. Exactly. But because he is a person of a certain standing, reputation takes lifetime to build so he is living with this 
encased, he is living with this layer and it is expected of him to defend the person that he's been courting for a very long amount of time and it is well known that he's gonna propose to her and it's quite well known that she's going to say yes. So basically, they're already a couple. So question, is he only whooping, Tristan says in the beginning of the movie, because Tristan is courting Victoria? I'm not saying that's the only reason, but it is part of the reason, yes. Okay, that's not how I see it. So. Okay. Okay, but well, that is I where mean, our There we go, there's the root from. of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> to me, this is like, Victoria is the pretty girl in the yeah. village and everybody wants her and he is the pretty and rich boy and that's, of course, why she takes him because she's vapid and shallow. Yeah, okay. Of course. That's why they match. So yeah, no, that, that, and that was yes, the extent of, of the relevance of their relationship. So I didn't. Yeah. Oh, no, like anything what I'm saying goes against what you are saying. In, in, in the final scene, it is so very obvious that Humphrey doesn't care about Victoria because you have the whole yeah. like nonverbal exchange between Shakespeare and Humphrey. Yeah. And Victoria literally being the only one upset about the wedding and Humphrey not caring. The only reason she's upset about the wedding is that clearly she has let the bigger fish go. But Humphrey doesn't. Like that. That's why I, I don't see them as a uh, as a unit or anything or him. No, they are not romantical units. No. I, I don't see them as a unit at all. Like that. That's Lina, just so you know, I am not saying that you're wrong. I completely agree this with you. Yes, it right. is. It's a different reading. It's totally no, yes, fine. but like my reading does not go against anything what you're saying. There is just the extra layer of him going. Oh, so I, I will. Nero, I, I will, heard you. I just yeah. don't see it. Okay. <laughs> yes. You say there is an extra layer, and I say I don't see it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> The fighting doesn't happen, but obviously while Victoria is there, she's opening the handkerchief and we get the actual name drop, which is it's just a measly handful of stardust. Roll credits. Name has been dropped. <laughs> it's the first time. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yes. I don't know how she manages to do that, but Victoria throws the handkerchief back to Tristan and she doesn't actually spill it at all. It's a bunch of dust and she just throws it at him and he catches it on his chest and looks at it. It's still full of fucking dust. Anyway, that's like my side runs here. Maybe it's a one special skill. You know, everybody has one useless superpower. Maybe that's hers. <laughs> don't lose dust. But basically, like she, she's the one who will never run out of pocket dust. Or I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Yeah, Victoria never runs out of pocket dust. Don't you know that like everyone has a useless superpower? Yeah. Like one of my friends, she can have like a glass that is like filled to the brim and she can like gesture with that hand and she is not spilling a single drop. It's it's completely useless, but it's a superpower. I don't find that useless. It's very useful. For a superpower. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Now so, yeah. moment Tristan. Oh, my blood. Oh. Tristan realizes what happens if Vane tries to cross the wall. And now everyone is converging towards the wall. Like, literally everyone. Septimus, Lamia, Evane, Una and Cell, Tristan. Hey! It's like drama, rama, rama. Tristan slash Charlie Cox run really, really fast. It looks hilarious. I'm sorry. I didn't laugh at that. I was just in awe because it's like, how does a human person move that fast across the Here screen? Here Gump. <laughs> no, he doesn't run that fast. He just runs constantly for a very long time. He's also pretty fast. What put me in awe is the attention to detail because did you notice that Yvain's corset on the back of her dress is not tied proper because she had no one to dress herself with and mm -hmm. so because by yourself it's very hard to tie a corset. She can't do it. That is a very nice detail. It is. I love tiny shit like oh. that, seriously. So we have everybody riding, everybody running, running. everybody like the only person 
that's not moving in a high speed is Yvonne currently. Yeah, because she's in because a everybody's super. running towards her. Yeah, and oh my god, <laughs> my next note is Septimus's coat. Rawr. <laughs> It's billowing. So good. So good. Oh my God. I want that coat. I want to live in that coat. I want to hug that coat. Of course, we now have one of the first confrontations, which is Lamia versus Cell. Yes. Cell not being the smartest evil witch is in the way. And so she meets her untimely end with no more head. That was actually very good. And it reminded me a little bit of... (sighs) Just the style reminded me of Hocus Pocus, the original one. Yes, yes, that is very accurate. Yep. Just good vibes. I mean, uh, Hocus Pocus vibes. <laughs> I would say good vibes, I'm with you. And so obviously we learned in the beginning of the movie, once she is dead, Una will be free. But alas, she is only free for very few moments because here comes Lamia taking both the star and the princess. So Da-dum. Lamia obviously doesn't know that... Una is the princess, right? Yeah, she doesn't care. She just wants a slave girl because it's nice to have someone to do the labor. I have a question, actually. So Una looks exactly the same as she did 18 years ago. So does this mean that because of the enchantment and slavery that she's been under, she doesn't age? How come she looks exactly the same as she did 18 years years ago? Because they didn't want to cast another person. But they did it for Ben Barnes. Because they wanted to have a proper dad-dad. She is not under an enchantment. That's the thing. We already had that debate. Yeah, I know. But like that was the only thing, explanation that I could think of. That there's literally not a single difference between her now and 18 years ago. It's not even like they changed her dress, at least, or put a gray streak in her hair. And because technically, she's old. Well, she's 18 years older. But, like, would they also, if you think about it... I'm also 18 years older than 20, and I don't have gray hair. Well, I, for example, whatever. I have some gray hairs. But that's not what I'm trying to say. No, also, if you think about it, she is supposed to be a slave until Sal dies. She can't die while she's a slave. That is an assumption that she can't die as a slave. We don't know that. I can put it on the list if you want or maybe the book will have answers for us. Yeah, let's think about that and then just kind of because she specifically says I will be her slave until she dies. Yeah, well, maybe because she doesn't want to offer the oh, I could also kill myself option. Like, it's still a fairy tale. Yeah, but like also she could die of old age before Sal does because witches clearly live longer lives because of magic. We don't know how long princes and princesses live in that world. Like we don't have enough information. Okay, so you just hate me trying to theorize. Okay. <laughs> no, I just hate the... There has to be an enchantment on her as a safe girl when there is literally no, no indication. No, I'm not saying there has to be an enchantment. I'm just theorizing here. Yeah, but, but that's it's, okay. you're, it's, it's, it's our fifth debate about is there an enchantment no, on no, Uda that's, or not. This has nothing to do with the enchantment. Jesus. <laughs> but literally you said is there an enchantment that prevents her from aging. Doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that there's a, an enchantment on her being a slave, but that's okay. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. When all of this fighting is happening, the guard is just like hiding behind a wall, watching but not interfering, obviously, because why would he? As long as they stay on the bad side of the wall, I would assume he doesn't care. I mean, I don't think he's ever seen anything like this before, specifically. I would hope so. Poor dude. Judging by what he tells Tristan oh, yeah. about two minutes later. Yeah, when he's done like, fuck this shit, I'm out of here. <laughs> I should have been guarding the the wall from the things coming out and not from people to come in because he clearly has never seen anything like this before. So yes, yeah. this is just a very like, 
oh no, for fuck's sake, what's going on? Moment. Yeah, very funny. We see more Tristan growth because remember how I complained at length about being not prepared before he used the bubbling candle? Well, now he does take the extra few minutes to go through everything and he sees the flower and he takes the flower. Yay! So he is prepared. He takes the horse, he takes the flower, he takes what he can use what to horse? go after them. Exactly. But like... So for me, this also is the growth. In the beginning, he goes blind into a situation. Now he takes the extra few moments to not go unprepared. I have a question. Yes. I feel like this is a, a bit of a plot hole because how does Tristan know where the witches live? Uh, I would assume he's following the tracks. Okay. That is a simple enough explanation that I am able to go with. And then how does Septimus know where to go? Is he just keep asking the runes? No, Septimus is following the tracks of the carriage all the time. The carriage Septimus the... is following Lamia because Bernard told him that the girl who yeah. Lamia wants to cut the heart out is carrying the stone that he needs. So he is tracking okay. the carriage all okay, this time. that makes sense. And now Tristan is tracking the carriage and Septimus is just continuing to track the carriage. Okay, good, 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 good. That makes sense. Thank you very much. They, they, like, they, they all can read tracks. I couldn't, like, but they can. Septimus doesn't, doesn't know what happened there. He doesn't know why... No, he, but he does look yeah, very so bewildered when he sees like... The, 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 the chaos oh, no. and everything. He does like, see what? the chaos, but, but uh, like, I was just very flabbergasted about how the fuck does he know what's going on. But yeah, thank you. That actually makes sense. Speaking of the carriage, Una and Yvain are in the inside of the carriage and Una is very much in mom mode from here where it's on. Aw, baby. Which is very adorable. Like, she's comforting Yvain here. Later on, she's also, like, being supportive and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's, it's very sweet. Do you agree with me that the horse is too small for Tristan? Because no. it's a very stocky horse and he's very tall and, like, the proportions are just slightly off? No, I don't agree with you, actually. Okay. Like, to me, it, just, <laughs> it looked a bit comical. I was like... No, because the horse that he takes is not a noble horse. You know, the, the horses that are... It's a pony. Uh, ...pulling the carriage are are like a proper full yeah. purebreds. Well, he takes the horse that Dirty it Sal, I mean, Ditchwater Sal dirty uses. <laughs> Fuck, we should have called it that. Much better. Yeah, uh. so it makes complete sense that that horse is like a... Uh, I stockier. wouldn't call him a pony, but it's a horse that a travelers would have. So it's yeah, a different it's type of a horse. And it makes sense. And tall. therefore, this is a perfect horse for him because these horses are much better for this kind of running around. But Charlie Cox is fucking 180. Endurance. That's why it looks so comical. I don't find it comical I find it historically accurate he's a tall boy he needs a tall horse okay <laughs> alright we are in my penultimate scene which yes. I called at the witches so I kept everything here yes. in one scene same we get to the castle yes that I would definitely call it a castle castle we get to the castle and we finally have some revelations that we totally did not see coming. And first of all, Tristan is speaking in on uh, the witches and he gets jumped by Septimus. And but there he is doesn't this, get jumped. He because... gets approached by Septimus and who has a knife on him. And we soon learn that he's not the only one with a knife out. This also reminds me of our fragment stuff. And of course, like, <laughs> one is much older than the other. Um, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, no, I, I love it. Also, he identifies Septimus right away knows who he is and everything like Tristan really grew up he got savvy yeah. he got smart he got competent also he can read because Septimus has literally the number seven written literally all over him so 
Yes. That, 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 this is why he has the outfit. It's so he gets recognized. <laughs> and of course, we now follow Septimus's lead and we go inside and Septimus and Una face each other for the first time in nearly two decades, at least, mm-hmm. if not longer. We don't well, more know. more than that, probably. But at least it's been like basically 20 years. And it does take Septimus a moment to recognize his sister, even though apparently she didn't age. So, uh, yep. So, So, yeah, this is a really interesting moment from a character point of view for Septimus because he is just relentless. He is very, I would even go as far as to say he is very brave because or maybe arrogant, stubborn. He literally decides that he can face all the three witches by himself because why not he's all Fuck the negative them. attributes that come with braveness yes and none exactly. of the positives yes I like that did you notice that every witch gets killed by a different person Septimus kills the first witch Tristan kills the second witch and Evane kills the third witch except Tristan doesn't really kill the second witch does he well Evane doesn't kill because it's her light like, yeah yeah no, no no like technically yes you're correct it's that is a very good point I didn't know didn't realize that so yeah, yeah. Very nicely done, Mr. Gaiman. (laughs) We have... So, basically, Septimus pretty immediately gets rid of the first witch and... Which I uh, found impressive. It was... He is very good. He is actually very good. Before they go in sight, he goes like, oh, follow my plan and la 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 la. What was his plan? There was no plan. plan. Get in there and kill them. That's the plan. Yeah, so no plan. Like, because like, why be like, oh, follow my plan? Follow my lead. it's because he's an arrogant asshole and everything, but it's still like, dude, what was your fucking plan? You didn't have a fucking plan. You're an arrogant asshole. Go and die. Thank you, you did. Oh, wait, he's coming back. Oh, no, he's not, actually. The acting of him when he is a puppet. Ah, so good. So, another thing. Sorry. Yeah. Another thing. uh, Okay, who goes first? I want to talk about how he dies. I want to talk, yeah, also about how he dies. Okay. (laughs) Then, just question. Did you realize that he couldn't die by fire because one of the brothers already died by fire? No, I did not realize that because I didn't realize that they have to die in They don't have ways. to, but so far, every single brother died of a different method. So in my brain, it made no sense that he would die of a method that had already been used. Nice. And he I is really literally like killed by the opposite of it because he's being drowned. It is incredible. And I want to talk about the effect that oh they use God. for this, which is literally wow. the best effect of the entire movie. When uh, Lamia drops the doll into the water and then he's floating because he he, he is underwater like his the, everything yeah, you can you can see and this is how they must have shot it yeah. having Mark Strong in water and having him yeah green screen and then insert died him. and then inserted him into the thing and that is so good and the effect looks so good I also, love it so wise, much it is Act- really really well done well obviously we have said it a few times probably during these yeah we are absolute that- uh, Mark Strong stands like- he's he's alright he's alright <laughs> Probably a solid actor. I just I Good, found it was so fucking hilarious because the witches try to burn him down and he pets out the flames, but he has the two <gasps> flames on his back that keep uh, burning. Yes, that he is, and he seems he, so unbothered. He doesn't care. And then Lamia goes like, "Let's put out those flames," and then she drops it, and it's like, "Damn, girl, like <laughs> brutal." Uh, yeah, mic drop or a doll drop, basically. <laughs> and then now, of course, seventh prince dies. 
seven different ways to die and my stupid brain goes dumb ways to die so many dumb ways to die so yeah, yeah. my brain is sometimes very very idiotic now with the princess dead Tristan and Una have a little reunion where we in two sentences realize what was already very obvious that Tristan is a blue blood he is the person who is inheriting the throne currently and now he also knows that and this brings that does us not come up here that comes up when he picks up the stone at the very end she just says i'm your mother oh actually he doesn't realize that yeah sorry no you're right you're right um so yeah she says be the man i know you are and this is something i have an issue with because she knows nothing about him yeah she well i mean <laughs> she knows that he's her son and she thinks that she knows his father so You know. Yeah, but like, it's like, be the man I know you are. And, and then she sends him off to fight the witches by himself. It's like, okay. Una, girl, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> but that brings me to the moment that I want to talk about. And yes. way back when, about 15 hours ago, when I believe it was when uh, Tristan knocks Yvaine into the bushes. Mm-hmm. They talk about him not being to kill anybody. Yes. And this is a moment where he feels like it's his responsibility to save Yvaine and to save his mother. He needs to somehow get rid of these two witches. Yeah. And he has he no idea what it. he's doing. And if you watch him as a tiny little beautiful detail that I really, really love. When he walks from behind the cages and starts walking towards them, you can see his hand with the sword shaking. He's literally shaking. I don't know with fear or or with what, but he is shaking when he's coming up facing this fight. And I love that. That is when he's facing Lamia. First he opens the cages that kill no, the no, other. No, no, no. This is when he first walks. We have we see him walking from the back. And sure? there is, yeah, well, Pretty never sure? mind. Any, either way, it's fucking happening. No, because I'm, I, I fully agree with you that he is, like, the idea of killing someone, he is very much like his father. And just like his father, yeah. the option of killing someone, not not really. But he yeah. doesn't have many options here because he needs to save Yvain. And yes. so for the second witch, he uh, delegates the act. <laughs> exactly. And well done. The animals need to do their, act their own I called it the revenge of the sacrificial animals. He gave yes. them back their agency. Yes. But yes. also, damn, this was brutal. Like, wow. For yes. a movie with that age rating, I know we don't really see anything, but wow. It's a lot. Yeah. That was hardcore. However, the witches did this to themselves. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. This is a very deserved death. So I don't, I don't mind that. But this movie has a very low age rating. So I didn't expect this level of brutalness. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the final showdown, Lamia and Tristan. The and Lamia showdown. is with the, oh, I'm going to use my magic fire and burn you down. But Tristan is being protected Whee! by the flower, by the pretty snowdrop. Because, holy shit, it is very, very powerful. I... I'm truly surprised that this tiny, tiny item is this incredibly powerful with the snowdrop that it protects him so fully against Lamia's magic. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to magical items in this world, they are very final. They're very overpowered. Like, this is classic OP item. (laughs) Yes, but it just feels like very, very final in a sense of it has this function and it has this function regardless of the power that's attacking it. Yeah, but it's still like it surprised me because like usually 
I mean, think of D&D and, and similar games. Like, the level has to match. And I'm like, this snowdrop is a fucking level 5,000 or something. Or what? Like, yeah. Damn, it's, how did you get this him... item so early in your quest? <laughs> it, gets, it gives him plus 50 on any safe yeah. roll. Yeah, or on any resistance or something. Like, how did you get this fucking OP item this early in your quest? And didn't even realize what you had. So yes. since the fire isn't working, Lamia starts flinging around vases. And IMDb says that Charlie Cox suffered a minor injury while filming the climatic battle sequence against the witches when a huge solidified vase knocked him unconscious. Is there any proof to this claim? This is why we need to get the movie with audio commentary and stuff, because I believe this is where we would learn something like this. But... One of the vases like full on hits him. And I actually oh, would not yeah. be surprised if that was the take. <laughs> yeah. If we do get the, the voiceover kind of a director's commentary or whatever, that'd be great. But if we want, I would like to put this on the list because I, will. I would love to know. Yeah. Now we have the puppet fight. <sighs> so good. The choreography of this fight is ridiculous and ridiculously great. Yeah. So first thing first, Mark had to have been on wires, right? We can agree on that. I don't know. Because some of the positions that his body gets into, as perfect they are for the puppet situation, they are extremely unnatural. And either he is very, very good. I'm such a Mark Strongstand now that I'm like, he got this. I mean, yeah. yeah <laughs> but you're probably, probably right. Yeah. You're probably right. But I, but I would imagine there must have been some sort of a wiring situation going on because holy shit. Do you know what I find hilarious? If Lamia what? is this good at fencing with a puppet, do you think she would be even better fencing herself? I think she would have, but only when she's young. Now she is taken down ah. by arthritis and old age. And That's she why she needs an avatar, really basically. Exactly, yeah. Uh, also, it's easier yes. to do that because she doesn't get stopped this way while uh, Tristan actually manages to land. Yeah. No, but that is a really, really good point. Like, obviously it's safer, but yeah, she's old and she's like not really springy on her feet. So that makes sense. That makes Yay. sense. I did not think of the arthritis slowing her down. <laughs> So yes. he steps Septimus, shit happens, and then he realizes, chandeliers. Oh my God, when he tries to find the correct chandelier. Evane's face. <laughs> she is so done with this. And he nearly manages to take out Lamia. <laughs> he nearly manages to take out everyone. Lamia, Evane, and Septimus. It's like, dude, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Listen, this is the realism of this situation because it never cannot, like this is, it's not realistic if he would have just run up to a bunch of ropes in a completely unknown environment and just got it on the first try. It's not real. This way, I can believe it. It's a statistical probability. Yes, it's low. No, it's high. It's high. It's very high. No, it's one in three. It's a third. It's statistics. Yes. So we have a short fencing happening here. Lamia, Tristan, la la la. And then, of course, we have the emotional moment where Lamia instead of cutting through Tristan cuts through the, the, belt. the belt and so now of course we have to debate the why yeah. so we have this short conversation we did the audio commentary on the movie when we watched it together and we and had we this short own debate. audio commentary <laughs> We had this short conversation about Lena is saying she truly had a moment of weakness, decided to let them go. No, I was saying she truly had a moment. Of, wait. No, I said. No, you said she truly had a moment of weakness, decided to let them go. I say she was playing with them all along. And I rewatched it specifically with your opinion in mind. And I honestly think that she is 
just playing them because she does not believe, no way in hell she believes that Yvain or Tristan are any match to her powers at all. And in fact, she says it just after this happens and she then reveals herself as no, 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 you're not going anywhere. Thank you for killing my sisters. Now I can have the whole heart for myself. Because of this sentence. That's my issue. I don't think that she is actually happy that her sisters are dead because in my Devils in the Details I talk about a parallel between Alamia, her sisters and Hecate and Hecate of course being the three-faced which so the three of them are a unity I think you mean magical number of three yes like, there's a reason why Macbeth has the three witches and yada 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 and she literally was in the most powerful position in that moment the only reason I can think of why she would let them go for a moment is because at this point Yvain is still unhappy and she wants the heart as happy as possible but that doesn't work because the second she kills Tristan before Yvain Yvain will be unhappy again you know so like yeah it's, it's a bit a, convoluted it's a bit a circle, but yeah. it's the only possible reason I could see because Lamia already knows that Tristan has magical protection she already knows that he is a decent enough fighter once Yvain is on his side she has two enemies instead of one like this puts her in a much weaker position and she is too smart to do that deliberately in my opinion which is why I'm like ah why 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 so I don't think there is a final answer to this because mm. there are too many options. I see where you're coming from. And maybe, yeah, I'm more on the she now embraces evil for evil's sake because now she is alone and so she, she kind of has to. Because if she doesn't, mm. she's going to be sad and rather be evil than sad, you know? And then she's going to die because she's a thousand years old. Yeah, so this would be another question for me. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I don't think sure. we're going to run into Michelle Pfeiffer anytime soon, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> oh, listen. So I, I would put this on the list as well. Simply yeah. because I feel there's arguments made for both mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm not confident enough, in my opinion, to uh, be willing to fight you on this as we usually do. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah, same, honestly. Quick IMDb note, because I actually did a freeze frame and it's accurate. When Lafia is laughing, there is a close-up shot of her mouth. All of her teeth are dirty, except the back few on each side, which are stark white. (laughs) They didn't proper dirty the back teeth. Because her front teeth are completely disgusting. Yeah. But they didn't bother with the back teeth. So there you can see that she actually has pretty, pretty nice teeth. (laughs) Amazing. I love tiny shit like this. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And then, of course, we get the beautiful victory. Because what do stars do? I mean, we have the I love you, wah, 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 everything. I came for you. And this is why she is so happy that she has the capability of shining. Her heart is Bursting with light. And love. Live, love, love. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I hate myself. I don't know why I said this. (laughs) How does it work with the light? Why is Tristan embracing her and closing his eyes working as in her light is not exploding? Like, could Lamia just close her eyes and not explode? Or do you have to have physical contact? Yeah. Uh, Also... Again, another another point where Lamia is working against herself. She has closed and sh- shuttered down all the windows so the light does not come out of the building. You think otherwise Una might have died? It would yes. be fucking hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, oh honey, God. killed your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of mothers anyway. Yes, We I already know. have a mom. His name is Shakespeare. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, okay, I love that. I absolutely fucking love it. Yeah. 
everything explodes. We have, of course, uh, we didn't mention it, but earlier, uh, Lamia shattered all the mirrors. Yes. Because, which is beautiful. But we need the shards because yes. somehow, between all these shards, Tristan sees the fucking white stone that looks like a glass shard, but he makes it out. He sees it. Greedy little fucker. So it's called he, family. No, um, it's called plot. <laughs> so he grabs it and of course because he is the oldest here and la 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 those who didn't realize before will realize it now it turns red so I'm pretty sure you noticed obviously that all the ghosts turn into dots yeah did you notice one turns red and one goes down I thought each of them turns into a different color one goes red and down the others go blue and up oh I did not notice did you notice which one the Septimus because there is an IMDb note and I was like, really? And so I went through it with like, freeze, 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 freeze. Like looking, where is each brother standing? Where is the mm-hmm. dot forming? Where is it going? Yeah. Wow. And it makes sense because like Septimus definitely was the evilest of them all. He definitely murdered the most amount of them. Also from his just like character, he was the f- yeah. most fucked up evil creature of the seven. Yeah, yeah. It's just this tiny detail and I'm like, I love it. damn. Like Because Very you only good. notice it when you really, really pay attention. And so, fuck, I love this shit. And like this movie has so many tiny tidbits and it's just like, ah! which is why yep. we have been talking about this for hours. I'm not yeah. sorry, listeners. Get over it. That's how uh, we roll. Okay. <laughs> are you sorry to me? I'm sorry okay. to you, but we are so, now in the final scene. Final scene, yay! The coronation. Not we are not talking about the, the real life coronation. On, we which are is completely a, against a front that. to humanity. It's like wow. It's complete bullshit. It should it should there, not happen. It should have been it it should, it should have not been have abolished. happened. Yeah. No, should not Period. have happened. Yeah. Nothing else to anyway, say. Anyway, let's talk about uh, the good coronation. And you know what's the best thing about the coronation? All the, the pirates. pirates are there. Yes. Yes, the pirates. Oh, the pirates, the villagers, Victoria regretting her life choices is there. So oh. why are Captain Shakespeare and Humphrey exchanging winks? Why? Because they're hot for each other. So, like, right? Yeah. I truly believe that this is a uh, suggestion of a ship. Yes. Like, Humphrey is not going to end up with, with Victoria. He's going to join oh, the no. fucking pirates. I think, no. I think that Humphrey and Victoria are married already. No. 100%. No. Yes. No, 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 no. Hum- no. Yes. Shakespeare is going to save the next soul from Victoria. Nope. They are married and Humphrey is going to discover his repressed sexuality because he just met Shakespeare. But they are already married with Victoria. That is my headcanon. I don't think they're married because this is probably literally the day after Victoria's birthday. <laughs> because everything happens right after each other. <laughs> no, no, no. Because they have to organize everything and everything. So, like, I believe that there is a little Stormhold bit of a Stormhold has job. been waiting for their new king for a week. Yes, but dad wasn't there. So now he's there. He had to be filled in on all the details. All the villagers from Wall are there. Well, take your headcanon. To... I disagree. Dear listeners, please let us know. What do you say? <laughs> agree with but me. But one thing that I refuse to agree to disagree in <laughs> on is the crown is atrocious and it looks absolutely shit on Charlie Cox. Why <laughs> did they use the most atrocious crown that really did not fit him? It looks so bad. Funnily enough, I did not pay attention to the crown at all. Okay, so you can just say I'm right. Sure, you're right. Give me that. Honestly, to be fair, to be fair, he's only wearing it once. Yes, thank fuck. <laughs> And then it's going to be put into the... 
I 100% will let you do that. So now, let's talk logistics of this marriage. They ruled for 80 years, right? Before they rule for 80 years, I'm so happy Una and Dunstan are back together. I know, they can finally meet and actually get to know each other. So many happy endings. Yeah, if there's one wedding, there has to be multiple. Maybe everyone is getting married at the same time. And then Humphrey says no to Victoria. Because it's like a triple wedding. And the first two say yes. And then Humphrey is like, Jixie's no. (laughs) (laughs) JK. I'll be on the ship. Or Shakespeare's like um, at the uh, if so. If anybody has any any yeah, and then Shakespeare's like and he comes in a dress, and then instead Humphrey marries Shakespeare. (gasps) Oh my god, yes. Let's let's okay. Now now we're both happy. That is good. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. (laughs) Totally. Okay, now they rule for 80 years. (laughs) They rule for 80 years. And I feel so bad for their firstborn child. Because by the time they decide to yield the crown, according even to Ian McKellen, all their children and grandchildren are all grown up. So the poor firstborn will never get the throne. Or they will end up like fucking Charles. Exactly. Do you not think that was deliberate? Britain? British? So, 100% yes. No, you're absolutely right. It's really, really funny. I love that from Neil Gaiman. This is so good. Take the piss out of the monarchy 17 years ago. Yeah. So, Vero, question. At the end, we see them going up into the sky. So, Yvain takes her place as the morning star, evening star, whatever, back in the sky. And so, Tristan is also a star right next to her. What star is he going to be? Because she's Venus, the morning star. What can he be? Well, fun fact, actually. Morning star also refers to multiple different stars or planets. So, as much as it refers to Venus, it also refers to Sirius as an actual star. So, I say because Sirius, the dog. is is the equivalent of probably a male. I would say that... So Venus is the female morning star and Sirius is the male morning star? So Venus is Yvain and Sirius is Tristan. Tristan. Yay! That is very cute. It is very cute. Don't tag us if any of this is wrong. We believe in it. It's not because it's we said it. Yes, and that we said it's it true. And thus it is. And this ends this beautiful, beautiful movie. And I have two questions for you mm-hmm. because you don't know the book mm-hmm. before we go into our final thoughts. Do you know anything about the book? No. I know it's called Stardust and I know that... But it's a field line is not in it. Okay. And my second question is, do you have any expectations slash assumptions of what might be missing or added in the book? Do you want to go on record with some wild assumptions? I will go on the record. First of all, I will say that you have already spoiled that the pirates are not there. So I am very disappointed. But I got to go on a record and say that Humphrey is playing a much bigger role in the book than he is in the movie. Okay. I would say that Tristan is much more into Victoria than uh, much more aggressively mm-hmm. in the book. And uh, therefore, and I'm specifically not looking at you to, to not see any clues to whatever I'm talking about. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to really take a 
good few things for him to turn to fall in love with Yvonne or realize that he's already in love. I think it's going to be very frustrating for me to read the book because of that. I don't actually even know if it's said if it's told from Tristan's perspective or if it's just told from a third person perspective. So that is actually hmm I'm going to say that it's it's told from a third person perspective just because I feel like it's going to be a little bit easier to get around the story. So there's that and huh one more thing is going to be about Yvonne and I'm going to say her name is not going to be Yvonne in the book. Okay. I will think that it's going to be like Morningstar or some bullshit like that and he's going to name her Yvonne. To make it easier. Okay, that are some very interesting uh, <laughs> predictions statements. and assumptions. I mean, I love it. So I try to not show any reaction on my face whatsoever. And I try to not to look at you. Exactly, and you try to not look at me. So I think, aside from my very, very bad spoiler about the pirates, because we were drinking when we Heartbroken. were doing the life watch. Previous one. Uh, yeah, oh, the life so, watch, yeah. uh, that, that's where I spoiled it. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Because I, they are my favorite part of the movie. And it is one of the few things where it's like the movie did such a great job good do you have final thoughts for this film uh, well uh, definitely I do do you want so, me to start or do you really a, no, have no, some I'll, I'll go for it so first of all <laughs> I fucking hate this movie it's so bad <laughs> I'm gonna repeat this because yeah. <laughs> So first of all I fucking hate this movie it's so bad as you can tell from the last 15 hours of your life oh. I have nothing but bad feelings about how much I love this movie it is Absolutely incredible. It's it's one of the movies that I will always go back to and I will always cry with and I will always laugh with. It will just give me all the emotions and in a really, really good way. I love the writing. I love the acting performances. I love the effects, including the two-headed elephant. <laughs> There is genuinely nothing that I can think of that I would ever change in this. So please, Stardust, never change because I love it. I feel like I don't have much to add to this so I'm just gonna <laughs> read through my notes and I'm sorry for any repetition. What a wonderful movie on all the layers. It holds up surprisingly well apart from a few small ick moments. The character development feels genuine. The characters, except Victoria, likable or even lovable. The good get a happy ending, the bad get beaten and vanquished, yet still it does not feel one-dimensional. We have imperfect people trying their best and growing, all within a fairy tale like setting. But fairy tale like the actual original Brother Grimm's and mm -hmm. not the Disneyland fairy tale stuff. Despite having seen this movie so many times and now watching it twice within less than a week, I still found things that I missed before. I am so fucking very curious how Vero will like the book mm -hmm. and I am very happy that we decided to cover this movie despite and because of the fact that my notes are very much ridiculously long and that this recording will probably never end ha if we made it to this point <laughs> we're nearly done ah. it's the end of the episode as we know it and basically all that is left to say is thank you for sticking with us for several hours we don't know yet how many episodes this was in the end Let us know if you enjoyed this. Let us know if you would like us to cover more books, more movies, more of more both. More adaptations. <laughs> Or if you're like, oh God, please no. Stick to shorter media because even half an hour episodes, you guys already go way too long. So two hour movies, surprise, it took much longer. Yeah. Vero, I can't believe we made it. <laughs> 
We were starving several times during this recording. We Still had are. to fight with tech and life and scheduling, but we made it. I'm so proud of us. Yes. Let's so go read the book. Let's go read the Woo! book. Everybody, and let's we say to this. bye in bye. three, two, one. Bye! bye.